Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics time. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. Sheila Zelensky. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zelinsky Show. I am really glad you took the time out of your busy schedule to tune into the program. You're in for such a treat. He is just one of my favorites. I really adore this minister. He is a powerhouse evangelist, apostle. It is Augusto Prez, the one and only Cuban-born evangelist. I can't wait to uh, get into this conversation today. Augusto, welcome to the program, my friend. It is such a pleasure to have you back on the program. It's good to be back with you, Sheila. Thank you for inviting me. Well, listen, I think it's safe to say that we're in like no time in history of the world. Perilous times, yeah, but it's also really exciting times right now to be alive. It's a very critical time in history. We're just, we're sort of spiraling at breakneck speed into this hellish, satanically induced moral meltdown. I mean, some of the stuff that I am seeing that people are sending me, I'm, I'm thinking there is no way that I just looked at that. You know what it is? It's the gall contempt for we as the body of Christ, that really Satan and his minions, they just have, again, gull contempt for us. We're made in the likeness and image of God, and nothing Satan wants more than to kill, steal, and destroy everything really that God is doing in our lives. But it's not just that. It's like the demonic possessions off the charts. And then guess what? Meanwhile, the church is still in a cotton candy snooze fest, stumbling and bumbling along, singing kumbaya. Let's have a big group hug while Rome burns around us. The fight is real. But boy, you wouldn't know that from the church, Augusto. You're absolutely right uh, that we are living in such exciting times, times of great upheaval, great unrest. The whole world is in convulsions. Uh, Look at all the earthquakes taking place, Uh, volcanoes erupting, 38 of them, I believe, right now. We see riots everywhere. We see uh, the terrorism. I mean, it's, uh, we see the threats everywhere surrounding us. More than ever before, I believe that we have been warned. I recently had a, uh, an experience uh, during one of my trips. You know, I, I had an experience in the middle of a night where I saw demonic entities being released, which basically was like a warning from our Heavenly Father. It was a warning from the Lord showing me that this thing is getting real. It's going to get, it's going to intensify. The battle is going to intensify between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the conflict of the ages. And we are fast approaching that moment. And so the question that begs to be asked, Sheila, is what are we doing to prepare for that? And what are we doing to prepare others for that conflict? The Christians as a whole are not prepared. Their focus is on religion, on playing games, on maybe keeping a status quo. It's not challenging the enemy. It's not going out there and bringing the harvest in. This is, I believe, where the challenge is. 
And I believe that the church, and, the, and when I mean the church, I mean the body of Christ, okay, the body of believers, as it stands right now, is not prepared for that because their mindset, their way of thinking, their paradigm is basically, uh, it has to do with just, you know, a churchy kind of environment, you know, go to a church, hear a message, and maybe, you know, maybe invite some people to come, you know, maybe that's the approach, but it is not based upon going out to where the people are, where the fishes are. I'm talking about evangelism, radical evangelism, where young people, especially because, you know, the older people are the kind of the prayer warriors, the ones that train, the ones that discipled. And so the young generation, the younger generation to go out and bring in the harvest, impact the world, you know, lay hands on the sick, pray for people, you know, release the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is what needs to be happening and there are some there are some churches out there that are beginning to do that but i mean we're way behind schedule and so what we need to be doing right now and this is what the lord has uh, placed a focus uh, in in my life and ministry is to train uh, others to raise up others to begin to do that you know a lot of training a lot of impartation activating gifts activating the ministries in others releasing them to go, you know, and offer the kind of of training and backup that people need, you know, uh, because they just cannot be sent out there. There has to be uh, uh, someone that is behind them, you know, training them and saying, okay, okay, no, this is not the way you, you did this wrong. Here, this is the way you do it. There has to be that kind of equipping that kind of training, that kind of, uh, you know, of mentoring. And so there is a, a dire need of that, and it's not happening. And there will always be conferences, and there will always be, uh, you know, rallies and revivals and all these things. As long as the mindset is not shifted to what I'm talking about, you know, it's not going to make a difference. There was a, um, a very a famous lieutenant colonel. He was uh, in, the war, in, in the War of Vietnam, in the Vietnam War, and uh, he came up with the three prime questions in, the, in warfare. As a matter of fact, it became so important, it became such a good principle uh, uh, that they adopted it at many of the military academies, uh, West Point and others. His name was Hal Moore, Lieutenant right. Colonel Hal Moore. And he basically came up with these three questions. I'm going to ask the people these three questions today, okay? And the three questions that this lieutenant colonel asked himself every day as he was getting ready for bed, the first question he asked himself was, what is happening? The second question he he asked himself was, what is not happening that should have happened? And so as he asked himself those first two questions, what is happening? He wrote down on his diary, okay, everything that happened, you know, things that went wrong, things that went right. And then he would ask himself the second question, what is not happening? And then he would go through a list of things that did not happen that should have happened. And then the third question that he asked himself was, what can I do about it? What can I do to fix the problem? What can I do to remedy the situation? And then that's when he wrote things that he could do the next day to take care of the problem so they would not happen again. And so we as Christians need to come to this point where we begin to ask ourselves these three questions. What is happening in my life? Okay, and then we need to think about things that are happening, good things and bad things. And then the second question we need to ask ourselves is what is not happening in my life? And then we need to think about things that should be happening 
should be taking place in our lives that are not. And then finally, we should ask all ourselves, because this is something that should be done by all of us. What can I do about it? What can I do to change the situation? And so this is where we have to come up with, uh, with ideas, with the help of the Holy Spirit, on things that we could do things that we can do that are going to change things for the better. And so as long as we don't do this, we don't ask ourselves questions, we are going to keep up coming with, uh, you know, the same uh, results. Two plus two equals four. It's never going to be five unless you change one of those parts of the equation. Something's got to give. And so until people come to that place and they think that they're going to change, but they're not willing to make any corrections, to take any action, take any initiative to bring those changes about, we're not going to get a different result. So that is what I see, Sheila. We are right now, that is where we, the body of Christ is. We've sung too many songs about invading the enemy's camp, loosing civil war into the enemy's camp. It's time to actually start doing it. What does that look like? The body of Christ is not equipped, Augusto, in spiritual warfare for sure. The church is not addressing this. There is an anemic body of Christ that needs to be equipped. What's the fix and the remedy for that situation? We're doing it right now. We're teaching the body of Christ through our program, through our books, in powerful warfare. That's why Carl and I wrote Power Prayers Warfare That Works, because it works. And boy, you're right about something you said. The body of Christ, not only does it not know how to pray, it doesn't know how to fight. It doesn't know how to do spiritual warfare. A boxer doesn't win a fight by hunkering down in the corner and, and covering his head and hoping for the best. Well, yes. I have never seen uh, any military unit uh, win by just uh, defending themselves, just <laughs> making sure that they don't get hurt. And uh, that's not how you win battles. That's not how you win boxing matches. That's not how you win any game. You, I mean, you name it, football game, a baseball game, any one of those games, uh, you have strategies, you have defense. And you have offense. It doesn't matter how good your defense is, how many good pitchers you have, what a great defensive team you have in a football team. It doesn't matter if you cannot score points. And that means you got to go and bring it to the enemy. You got to take the ball and bring it to the end, you know, to the end zone, or you got to score runs in baseball. What I'm trying to say is that you've got to win. You've got to score some points against the enemy. And uh, the modus operandi of the church right now is based on entertainment and or gathering information, which is not wrong. There, There is a place for that. But that is where the majority of the of these meetings, these conferences, this thing is about. And I don't, I'm not picking at anybody because everything that is being done out there, it's, you know, we need it. We need information, you know, whether it is about the Nephilim, whether it is about the end time scenario. It doesn't matter what it is. We need information. Information is good. The problem is that the people, Sheila, have become hypnotized with just getting information. And it's gotten to the point where we have just become an information center where yeah. we're just disseminating information and we're just giving information. And most of that information is not really going to help anybody. It's just informing them of things that are going on, whether it be uh, what the elite is preparing to do or what uh, you know they're doing over there in Russia or what the Chinese are doing or what our government is planning to do. You know, all these things, basically, I'm not saying it's bad, it's good information, but the question remains is, 
how are we going to handle these threats, these dangers? Are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? Are we going to be able to establish the kingdom of God? Because whether Christians believe it or not, and this may come as a surprise to a lot of people listening to this program, the commission given to every Christian person by the Lord Jesus Christ was go, okay? He commissioned them, he commanded them to go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, get them filled with the Holy Ghost, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, you know, establish the kingdom. And when you go, say the kingdom of God is is nigh, the kingdom of God is arrived. Why did the Lord do this? And why did he train his disciples to do this? This is something a lot of Christians don't realize. Whenever Jesus came to a city, Whenever he sends, he sent his disciples to a city to bring the gospel, they always said this thing. He said, tell them the kingdom of God is nigh. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. Now, that is a very powerful statement. Why did the Lord tell his disciples to say that? Because when a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ goes into a city, goes into a place, goes anywhere, he brings the kingdom of God with them. Because even even Jesus told them, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you because within us, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that created the universe, the power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. We have the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power lives within us. That power has the ability to bring the kingdom, whether it be delivering a person from demonic oppression, whether it be healing a sick person, whether it be you know saving a person, whatever it may be, it is a divine commission. It is not a divine suggestion. Many Christians think it is a suggestion. It is not. It is a commandment. We have been commanded by the supreme commander to go and make disciples and spread the kingdom. In other words, establish the kingdom of God. And so, again, the mindset of the church has to change, has to change from programs to equipment, from investing in uh, in temples, investing in programs and agendas, to investing in people, to prepare them, to equip them, to train them, to raise them up, raising up disciples, raising up ministries, those kinds of things, instead of, you know, building temples that cost millions of dollars, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with having a, a building to, you know, to, to come in there and, and be able to teach. But the thing is, the emphasis, the focus has to shift. The focus has to change. When we come into a conference, the focus should be on ministering to the people and then training them once. First ministering, because a sick soldier, Sheila, cannot go out and fight. A wounded soldier cannot go out and fight. A soldier that is wounded, severely wounded, that is 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 discouraged, is depressed, he's got bondages, it's sick in the body, all kinds of sickness and diseases, it's got all kinds of problems. That that person cannot effectively minister to anybody else. So that person first has to be healed, has to be cleansed. All this junk has to come out on forgiveness, resentment, bitterness, depression, familiar spirit, all that stuff's got to go, spirits of disease, sickness, uh, that stuff's got to go. So once that person is healed, then that person has got to be restored, and then that person's got to be trained. In other words, that person's got to begin to receive training how to pray, 
Because believe it or not, most Christians don't know how to pray, learn how to pray, learn how to defend themselves, and then learn how to attack the enemy. That person needs to be trained how to uh, cast out devils, do all these things, how to minister to somebody, win them to Jesus Christ effectively. It has to be done, and it's not being done. So the conferences and all these uh, so-called revivals, it has to change. Revival is not about people going to a meeting and running around the aisles because they got a touch of God. I mean, that's not revival. Conferences should not be a place where people go and sit down and they get pumped with a lot of information and then they gather and, and, and they have fellowship, which is wonderful. Fellowship is wonderful. We should all have fellowship. I'm talking about focus. The focus and the prime directive has got to change or we are going to lose this battle. Very well said. We've really got to get something back in order here, Augusto. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that scripture in Matthew eleven twelve, where it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You dominate. You're powerful. You're mighty. You're unyielding. You're effective. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, that statement is right there. Uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent taken by force. Uh, I had a revelation from the Lord uh, some years back when I was in prayer. And, you know, I was very concerned about that scripture because it challenged me. Yet I didn't know how to how to appropriate it. I didn't know how to interpret it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I needed the Holy Spirit because he is the, he's the best teacher to show me what this scripture meant. And, and he did. He started breaking it down for me. And um, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And when he began to tell me about that, what that meant was, he said, it refers to the state of turbulence and change, the struggle for the souls of men, the violent struggle that the forces of darkness are trying to hinder the forces of light, the forces of the kingdom of God that seek to illuminate and facilitate those people seeking the light of God. And, you know, when we come down right down to it, Sheila, what is the real purpose of the kingdom of God? It's to save souls, to snatch them from hell, to bring them into the kingdom of God, and to assemble a force that the, the enemy has to reckon with. And so the violent are those who are passionate people. The violent are not, you know, are not people that do violence like some people think or that are, you know, want to to kill others and use guns. No, 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 no. That's not what he's referring to here. Violent are those who are passionate, who desire to enter and dwell in that place of light and the presence and the glory of the kingdom of God. They want this more than food. They want this more than drink, more than pleasure, or even their own lives. The violent are those who press forth towards the mark of the high calling of God. Day by day, week by week, without losing sight of eternal things. The violent do not throw punches in the air. They are purposeful, single-minded. They are desperate because they have tried everything and everything has come short And they know that all they have is the Lord, Jesus Christ. The violent are those who have made up their minds that are going to serve the Lord and follow him no matter who comes in their way. Suffering, obstacles, trials, tribulation, hindrances, failures, setbacks, disappointments, no matter the weakness, the regrets, the temptations, the violent are a select group of believers, okay, the elect, the bride of the Lamb, who don't get excited about their own achievements as much 
as they are excited about who they are in Christ. They don't get excited about positions. They don't get excited about wealth, money, mammon. Only when they talk about Jesus is when they ex- they get excited. It's when they come alive, only when they're talking about the kingdom of God. The violent are those who have to have the presence and the glory of the Almighty God in their midst. The violence won't let religion steal from them the joy of a relationship with, with the Heavenly Father. And so this is just some of the definitions of what the violent are. And then when we come to, they take it by force. What does that mean? And what the Holy Spirit showed me, Sheila, is like the force is like uh, it's like leaves like little shrubs pushing through the dried up, ugly, dead leaves on the ground in the weeks of spring. You know, it's like the winds of the Holy Ghost will come and get rid of the old leaves in the tree of hindrance. Uh, Only the dead branches, all leaves remain, okay? Only those dead branches remain. And so the branch that withers and dies needs to be cut off. This is what happens to many churches. They're being cut off. This is what is happening to many ministries. They're being cut off because they have become irrelevant. They have become, if you will, they have become non-essential. They are just basically uh, dried up and shriveled. They are not providing the things that God wants them to do. And, And this has to do with a season. Like I preached in this last conference, Sheila, we are in a different season. What we were supposed to do five years ago Maybe now we're not supposed to be doing that. And there was a time for warning. There was a time for uh, warning the people. And the Holy Spirit told me that that time, that time is over. Yeah, we will still warn the people. Yes, we will still tell them, you got to change. You got to repent. Bad things coming. Yeah, we still have to do that. But the emphasis, the focus on just warning and warning and warning, the Holy Ghost told me it's over. It's time to bring in the harvest. So if uh, if the people do not change with the seasons, they will be left behind as dried branches. You know, branches that dry up and shrivel and they produce no fruit. And so this is what has happened to many churches, what has happened to many ministry. The one time they experienced the blessings of God, they refused to accept the changes which the Holy Spirit is bringing today, you know, to the body of Christ. And so they don't want to give away. They don't want to allow this change, this move of the Spirit that the Lord is wanting to come. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing today, Sheila, is repentance. There's got to be a repentance. There's got to be a people coming together just to repent, just to repent, yes. just to repent and just to ask the Father to forgive them and just ask the Father to bring in just his presence. And, you know, this is something that has to happen. So we've got to shift. We've got to change the modus operandi and go back to what the master said. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And let's look at a really familiar text of scripture that I think familiarity just tunes people out to it. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In this chapter, Paul is defending his apostleship. He's saying, listen, there's a war going on here. When Paul wrote to a young preacher named Timothy, what was he saying there? The charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Remember this? And what does he go on to say in um, 2 Timothy 2, 3? Endure hardness as a what? 
a good soldier. God's looking for a SWAT team, a special weapons and tactical force. God's looking for an A team. He's got a D team at best. It's time to get in the game here. Yes, well, that scripture you mentioned, uh, Sheila, is is it's very powerful. It's very interesting, and we need to look at the root words of many of these words that are used there. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Although we walk in the flesh, okay, that is basically referring to our our lifestyle, okay, the how we do things in this world. It says we do not war after the flesh. Now, that word war there is very interesting is the word estrateunomai, which is basically uh, where we get our word strategy. And so we are not supposed to base our warring, okay, our how we tangle with, uh, with the enemy. Our strategy has to be <laughs> the right strategy. And that's basically what he's saying there, okay? We do our strategy, uh, our battle strategy, okay? It's not in the flesh. You know, what that should be is we have to uh, conduct a military campaign, a spiritual campaign, uh, and execute. We have to execute the right way, which means it ha- it's going to be uh, arduous. It's going to be difficult, and we have to uh, contend with carnal inclinations, you know, with what we want to do and what our flesh tells us to do, the things that we don't want to do. This is how we war, not in the flesh. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We don't do things that way. We cannot afford to do things that way because our weapons, okay, our weapons, our instruments of warfare, the tools that we use uh, as an offensive warfare, they're not carnal. They're not of this world. They're not temporal. They're not things that pertain to the flesh, but they are mighty. They are powerful. They're the, that's the word dunatos, which means powerful, strong. They are mighty to the pulling down, pulling down. Now, that is very interesting because that pulling down basically means destruction, the destruction of strongholds. Okay, so that word pulling down, basically, it's not pulling down. It's really destroying the stronghold. The stronghold is basically like a castle that has been built in a person's life. It's like a a fortification that has been built in the mind of a person. There are things in every one of us because we are all susceptible to these things. I have a friend of mine. uh, His name is Philip, and uh, he's in Texas. And uh, every time I go to Texas, we meet because he and I are at another a bishop, we are on the um, on the presbytery team of this church that we minister in Texas. We always talk about deliverance. We always talk about those things. And, and he's told me many times, he says, we all need deliverance. Some more, some less, but we all need deliverance. Is We all need to be, you know, a process every now and then. We need to, you know, it's like a, it's like a car. We need a tune-up. We need the areas where we have gotten careless, and we need to bring back into alignment. So, you know, we talk about these things. And so, Strongholds are, are really things that are built in our minds over over years, things, areas that, uh, that we have been careless about, and we have allowed the enemy to build like a, a fortification, a stronghold around that area. It could, be, it could be a hurt. It could be a wound. It could be a habit, a bad habit that we started like an innocent little habit, and it became a, a fortification. It could become, a, it could be an act of disobedience. It could be a rebellion, a root of bitterness. It could be anything, but it, become, it has become a stronghold. So we are supposed to do that ourselves. You know, we have to start ourselves. One of the things, Sheila, that a lot of people miss, and I always try to bring it up because it is important, is in the early church, 
the Christians didn't need deliverance. The majority of the Christians, <laughs> they did not need deliverance. Why? Why? Because those early Christians lived their lives the way they were supposed to. They lived a life of holiness. They lived a life of purity. They did not have all these distractions. They knew that when they came to Jesus Christ, the world was gone. They knew that they had to release the world and they had to die to self and they had to follow the master. That was ingrained in them. So basically, you don't, you don't see, we don't see any, any things like that in the, in the early church, in the book of Acts. We don't see Christians needing to be minister deliverance, but boy. What a difference two millennia make. <laughs> and uh, nowadays, Christians are so worldly and so used to, you know, things of the world, and they do not follow Jesus Christ the way they should. They think they can get saved and still hold on to all their junk because it is not being taught in the churches. The churches are not teaching this. The churches are basically telling people, come as you are. You know, Jesus loves you anyway, and he does. There is no commitment. There is no call to repentance. There's no call to turn their backs on sin, their backs on the world, and just consecrate their lives completely to Messiah. You know, there is much to be said about this, Sheila. And uh, I mean, this is why we have the problems that we have in Christianity today, because these things are not being taught. Absolutely. You nailed it. And which is why we're on here today, talking to the body of Christ in whatever form we can, because you're not going to hear this stuff on the mainstream Christian channels. Why don't you whip through your channels like the, you know, the Grace TV stations? Let's see if somebody is casting out demons, baptizing them in water and in the Holy Ghost. They're not living like the book of Acts. You show me somebody, show me a church today that is doing Mark 16 ministry, and I'll be impressed. Acts is an action word, folks. The book of actions. It's a hand manual for Christian living. So why are we not doing that? Because exactly what Augusto just said, we're not being taught this. Prayer is when you're addressing God. Warfare is when you're addressing the enemy. So it requires knowledge. It also requires obedience. Well, yes, I totally agree. Jesus Christ requires total obedience. This is something that is not preached. It's not taught. That people think that they don't have to be obedient to the Lord. Second Corinthians 10, 5, it talks about bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that thought is basically our mind, our, our, you know, our mindset, our intellect. Everything we think about has to be brought to the obedience and compliance of Jesus Christ. And so when that does not happen, because people live in a worldly uh, mindset, okay, they basically have a religion. This is why people ask each other, what is your religion? Basically, it's what do you believe? But we don't have a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It, and this is where we differentiate from every other religion. Christianity is about a relationship with the Creator and with the Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, that relationship is all-consuming, which means that there is no room to do whatever you want to do. We were bought with a price. This is what the early church knew. They, they knew this. They understood it completely. 
that once they were saved, they did not belong to themselves. They belonged to the Lord. They belonged to the Almighty, to Yahweh, and through his son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, who had died for them on the cross. So they have been bought by the shedding of his blood. And so if we have been bought, that means we no longer belong to ourselves. And this is the problem that a lot of people don't think that they belong to the Lord. They think that they belong to themselves. Their self-life is very alive. They want to do what they want to do, what they want to do. And so what the Lord wants, what the Almighty wants, is not really a, a high priority in their lives. And so this is the problem. This is the problem that we have. If you go, for example, and you talk to people in China where they're being persecuted, you talk to Christians in the Muslim countries, you talk to Christians in communist countries, you're going to see a different attitude. They are sold out. They don't care what kind of sacrifice they have to make. They will they will commit their lives to the Lord regardless. And so that mindset, that attitude of uh, total commitment, total sacrifice, and total uh, obedience to the kingdom of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes that church so powerful. And this is what we are lacking here in America. Christianity has become showmanship. It has become a show. You know, how much you know, uh, how much of this, how much of that, and uh, merchandising. And um, it's not about winning the loss. It's not about equipping them. It's not about training them. It's not about teaching them to be a, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the people become disciples, Sheila, of the Lord Jesus Christ, then more is demanded of them. A higher walk, a higher level of, of holiness, purity, devotion, intimacy, a higher level of commitment. Nobody wants to talk about commitment, but commitment is, is an absolute necessity if you're going to be a Christian. Without commitment, there can be no relationship. I don't care what kind of relationship it is. First, with the, with the Almighty. First, we have a relationship with the Lord. There can be no relationship with our God without commitment. This can be applied to every area of our lives. We can talk about this in marriage. We can talk about this in friendship. We can talk about this in anything we do for the kingdom. There is this little word called commitment. And without commitment, any kind of relationship and anything we do in the kingdom is going to fail because commitment requires sacrifice, something very few people are willing to do today. People don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to be committed. If something causes them pain, they walk away because commitment will cause you pain. Commitment will cause people suffering at times. And so uh, nobody wants to suffer for the cause of Christ. Nobody wants to suffer for his kingdom. Nobody wants to suffer in any other kind of commitment. And this is one of the reasons why we have divorces galore. People just walk away if they think it's getting a little too hard. Uh, they don't want to work it out. Relationships, they don't want to work things out. So because of pride, because of arrogance, because of inconvenience, because of lack of commitment. So this is why there are, there are so little uh, uh, relationships, whether it be a marriage, friendship, or, or, or relationship with the Lord, because people are not willing to be committed in Christianity. You mentioned the early church. Jesus and his church, he founded, they were rugged and strong. The apostles brought a flaming, relevant message of salvation for the soul and healing and freedom from demonic bondage. We're involved in warfare and there's victims falling by the thousands and peacetime measures aren't going to do. That's where people have to get real. It's time 
to get serious because, Augusto, too many churches today, they're only a pale, anemic imitation of the real thing. We should be power praying and binding and loosing, and yet people don't get that, do they? Well, the thing is that the mindset is different here in the Western Christianity. The mindset is almost anti-supernatural, first of all. The mindset is uh, the lack of understanding about the, the kingdoms, the king, that there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of God, and the two kingdoms are in conflict. They are a war. That is not taught. That is not explained. Most people don't, most preachers don't talk about it. They don't talk about it because they don't understand it themselves, see? And so what they don't understand, they cannot preach. How can you give what you don't have? First of all, people have to become conscious that we are on a, on a war footing, on a war path. The moment a person is born into this world, that person has to choose to uh, align himself or herself with the kingdom of God or with the, uh, the kingdom of the devil. That is a simple. And if a person says, I'm not going to choose, I'm not going to make a choice. Well, you already made a choice when you said, I'm not going to choose. Well, if, you, if you don't make a choice, you automatically are going to serve the devil. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. In order to serve the Lord, you have to make a choice. You have to determine, I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I will serve the Lord and, uh, and, and not the devil. And so that's the first thing. People have to make a choice who they're going to serve. And then secondly, once they do, they have to realize that, that they're going to get hurt. There's going to be um, casualties, like in any war. In any war, there will be casualties. The casualties come many times because of things we already discussed, because the, the army is not prepared, because the soldiers are not being trained, because the soldiers have not been taught how to use their weapons. The soldiers do not have ammunition. They don't understand how to fight. So they, they go into the battlefield and they start talking to each other, maybe trying to you know drink beer and get drunk, and the, and, the, and the enemy all the time is advancing against them, and by the time they realize, it's too late. They become casualties. And so this is what is happening in, the, in Christianity, that people are, don't understand what we are facing. They don't understand the dangers. They, are, they have a laid-back attitude. They think that they can you know, do things however they want, and uh, they have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Or maybe both foot in the world, and they think they're in the kingdom, and they're just, uh, you know, deluding themselves. So it, it is a very sad condition that we have, there because basically they are in rebellion against God, whether they recognize it or not. That is why most people don't have peace. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people many times, and they don't have peace. They, there is no shalom in their lives. And the reason there is no shalom is because they have not been reconciled to Christ. They have not been reconciled, and they are in rebellion against the Lord. And when you're in rebellion against the, the Heavenly Father, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have peace. And so there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. We all have to go through this. We are all like a tree. We are all like a tree. We have roots. We have branches. We have a trunk. A lot of people, what they do, uh, Sheila, is they deal with the symptoms. They deal with the symptoms or the branches of the situation. And even if they cut off the branches, even if they cut off the branches, which is the normally the way they handle problems, the situation eventually remains unchanged, unresolved, because they have just cut off the branches. They have not dealt with a root problem. This is what we see uh, mostly in Christianity, is the lack of understanding, the lack of awareness, and the lack of preparation. Absolutely. And it's time to return to the 
kind of faith we see in the New Testament church. They believed in Christ's words. They expected the Spirit to do great things. And he'll do the same for us today. That's why it's so important, Augusto, the information that you give out on your program. The spiritual warfare is so important. You have some amazing resources on your website. Really amazing ammunition. And in the waning moments, Augusto, if you would please lead us all into a prayer. That'd be great. Sure. Father dear, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to address the people that are listening to this program. Father, we just come against every spirit of confusion, spirits of uh, chaos, spirits of uh, ignorance, the darkness, Lord, every one of those strongholds that are uh, operating in the minds of the people, hindering them from seeing the revelation of the kingdom of God. Father, we break it. We destroy it. We destroy the yoke. We destroy those strongholds. And Father, we just pray that the blindfolds will drop to the ground. The blind eyes will be opened. The spiritual eyes will be opened and the spiritual ears will open. Father, we come against all that religious, Lord, earwax that has accumulated in the ears of the people through the years, Lord, that they does not allow them to hear the, the truth, to hear the unadulterated word from heaven. Father, we just pray that, Lord, these people that are listening, Lord, their eyes be opened, their ears opened, and they are able to receive the engraft the word of God, and not only to hear it, Father, but that they will be able to be engaged, Lord, that they will be able to fall into alignment, to come into place. They will begin, Lord, to do the works of the kingdom, to do the works that you did, Jesus, to just begin to uh, have an intimate relationship with you, which is what every child of God should do. And so, Father, I pray that beginning this day, every listener, everyone that is listening will begin to build their prayer closet if they don't have one. And this prayer closet, they have to build, Father, I pray that you would guide them and that you would begin to meet with them there daily, that they will begin to draw closer and closer and closer to you, Lord, that they will begin to depend on you, that they be, begin to trust you, and that they will begin to be filled with your presence, filled with your glory, filled with your anointing. I ask you, precious Lord, that you would reach into these people, Lord, and right now, remove all things that that offend all things that hinder all things, Lord, that are strongholds in their lives. And we break those things that they be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they may go forward, Lord, and do the works of the kingdom. If there's anybody listening that is sick in their body, we pray that prayer of faith right now, we release healing into their bodies, healing into their souls, healing into their minds, that they will be, Lord, released from the pain, released from the burdens, released from spirits of cancer, released, Lord, from spirits of oppression, released, Lord, from spirits of infirmity. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you praise, Father. We give you glory, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, for what is already happening, and we pray that you would bring this people, Lord, to you and you would save them, that you would restore them, heal them, bring them into your kingdom, Lord, for such a time as this. For we need, Lord, we need the disciples. We need soldiers in the kingdom. And we pray that this be done for your glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was very powerful, Augusto. Augusto, in the waning moments, please do, for the new listeners, give out your website. Sure. It's uh, theappearance.com, just like that, theappearance.com, and just go there. So avail yourself of all the resources, print them, 
hand them out, record them, because that's what it's there for. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Augusto. It is always such a treat and just such a powerful anointing. Do check out Augusto's mailbag and his shows. I've got that information linked in the description below. Augusto, it's always such an incredible pleasure to have you on. Thank you, sir, for coming on the program, and we look forward to coming back soon. Thank you for having me, Sheila. Folks, that was Augusto Perez, theappearance.com. All that information is linked in the description below. Do check out his stuff. I'm telling you, powerful, powerful man of God. Such a blessing to have him on the program. And also, we have a special guest this week, too. You are not going to want to miss this week. It's going to be very powerful. If you are not one of my patrons, I'm asking you to support this ministry. I hope I can count on you and bless a whole lot of people out there in the world that are spiritually anemic. And I want to thank you for your faithful support. So God bless you. We'll see you real soon. Good night.